Many people are at risk for both type 2 diabetes and heart attacks, and millions of people take statin drugs to lower bad cholesterol and reduce the risk of heart attacks. But do these drugs also increase the risk for type 2 diabetes? I'm Krista Lamb, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, I'll be talking to Dr. Jonathan Scherzer about his work on improving the safety and effectiveness of statins. Dr. Scherzer is an associate professor in biochemistry and biomedical sciences at McMaster University, who holds a Canada Research Chair in Metabolic Inflammation. He is also the winner of Diabetes Canada's 2023 Early Career Researcher Award. Welcome to the show, Dr. Scherzer. It is so nice to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So the first thing we should do is I'll ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Great. My name is Jonathan Scherzer. I'm a professor at McMaster University. And the the bulk of our research is focused on the basic mechanisms of type 2 diabetes, how it progresses and how we can stop it. Amazing. And you do work in basic science. And because this is going to be about statins and medications that people might be taking and people might be aware of, before we start, I really wanted to focus on the fact that you're working in the lab. You're not working necessarily on people. So this isn't something that someone's going to be able to apply potentially right now, but in the future. Is that correct? That's correct. And that's a really important point. We do fundamental science and we're trying to understand how things work. And in doing this, we study drugs that people take but by no means am I making any recommendations, particularly medical recommendations. I'm a PhD and I'm interested in the science and moving the science forward so others can pick it up and make medical recommendations, but we don't do that. Perfect. So I think that's a really good place for us to start so that everyone understands because we're going to be talking a little bit about statins. And that's a drug that a lot of people are taking, millions of people are taking statins to lower their cholesterol. And recently, there's been some news about how potentially statins could also raise your blood sugar, so that could increase potentially your type 2 diabetes risk. But these are things that are also, you know, they're still being studied, and you're working a little bit in this area. So I wanted to give you the chance to sort of explain that work. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. So yes, we studied the drug statins, which is, you know, a wide spectrum of drugs that inhibit cholesterol. They lower blood cholesterol. And the way they do this is by acting on a fundamental cellular process. And that's what we're really interested in. When we noticed that Health Canada and other regulatory bodies added to their warning labels that statins can raise risk of diabetes and raise blood glucose, we thought this was fascinating, concerning, and something we could potentially make an impact to try and help understand why that would be. You would think a drug that is so beneficial for cardiovascular disease should be beneficial for diseases like diabetes because of the tight link between those two diseases. And so when we started to dig into this, we found that statins, a fantastic drug, they help a lot of people to lower cholesterol and lower risk of cardiovascular disease. They affect the immune system and they affect it in a way that is widely known to be anti-inflammatory. And when we really looked at this, there was one specific immune response that was different. It actually wasn't anti-inflammatory. It was inflammatory. It's a very specific part of the immune system that statins act on. So we decided to investigate this and we validated this finding that others had seen. And we thought, well, what's the impact for diabetes research or how insulin can actually work? And so through a series of studies, we found that statins 
through a different mechanism than cholesterol lowering affect how insulin can work and can stop insulin from working properly in muscle and in adipose tissue. And so now our latest research is actually on the pancreas because this all fits together when you think about type 2 diabetes. You have to be able to produce insulin and then it has to work properly. And the same mechanisms are happening in the pancreas for insulin secretion. So statins can have this effect that we're trying to understand in the lab, but it's really important that the reason we're trying to understand it is because it's separate from their cholesterol lowering effect. So potentially, if we can get enough information on this system, we can separate the side effects of statins on their ability to raise blood glucose from their benefits to lower cholesterol. So that's the ultimate goal. And that's really, really interesting. And I was reading a little bit about what you do before we started the interview, and you're working in the area of inflammation. And so I wanted to ask a little bit about that. But before I ask you about how inflammation affects this work, can you explain for our listeners who might not be familiar with inflammation? Because I find sometimes how we think about it in the diabetes research world is not how the average person thinks about inflammation. Absolutely. That's probably the hardest question I'll get today. I try and define it to scientists. I try and define it to my class and then and to my, my everyday colleagues. So inflammation, the way we look at it is it's like an irritation. That's really what it is. It's the body's response to some sort of irritation that can come in many forms, right? It could be bacteria, a virus, it could be a parasite, it can be many things. And the body tries to mount a response to deal with that irritation. And that mounting of a response is our immune system saying, okay, something is wrong. We need to react to this. And they generate an immune response. And so in the obesity type 2 diabetes field, it's been realized over the last couple of decades that there's a chronic inflammation or a chronic irritation. And that can come from many sources. We don't actually know what all of the sources are and how they contribute. But that is what, how we think of inflammation. You can get very complicated immune responses, but at its heart, the way we look at it is it's a bit of a stress and it's a bit of irritation that the body's trying to get rid of. And that makes a lot of sense. Are you able to explain how you're looking at inflammation in terms of the research into statin? Yes, that's an excellent question. So there are multiple types of ways the immune system can respond. And one is to a response of something called sterile inflammation. So there really is no bacterial infection. There really is no viral infection. That's the key stimulus. It can be something we call a xenobiotic or a drug that's being metabolized. And the body senses that is something that is not normal, right? So the immune system is mounting a response. And we have a very specific response that we mount in response to certain drugs. And the one we're interested in is called the NLRP3 inflammasome. That's a fancy way for saying this is an immune response within cells that mounts towards a stimulus that shouldn't be there. In this case, it's the statin drugs. And we thought for a long time that it was going to be because they were lowering cholesterol too much. Well, they lower cholesterol a lot. Maybe the cell doesn't like that. That's a stress. That's not it. It turns out it's something else. It's the direct target of statins is called HMG-CoA reductase. That's what helps lower cholesterol. But downstream of that target protein is not just cholesterol. There's many other things that happen in the cell. And one is this little lipid modification that happens on about 1% of proteins. It's called prenylation. And statins lower this. 
And the sensing of that response actually activates this immune response, this inflammasome, as opposed to its widespread anti-inflammatory effects on many other parts of the immune systems that statins have. There's this one outlier, and we know pretty much how this works. It's a lowering of prenylation, it's non-cholesterol, and that that activates this immune response. And just for the listener who might have gotten a little lost with that, because it's complicated, as is, I think that's like the theme of the podcast. This is very complicated. If you were someone who was living with type 2 diabetes, you're taking a statin, what is your body doing? Yes. So again, I don't give medical advice. I'm interested in the science. So statins are fantastic drugs from our standpoint. They are lowering your biogenesis of cholesterol, how we make cholesterol, and they're allowing your body to clear it better from the blood. And so that's a huge benefit, particularly because of the link between type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And so when you take a statin drug, that is the main effect. It's inhibiting this one enzyme, it's lowering your cholesterol and lowering your risk of cardiovascular disease. Now we don't fully understand why some people are more at risk for increases in blood glucose. As I said, what we're interested in studying is to see if insulin is not working properly in certain tissues because of this effect of statins on the immune system, or if this immune response is lowering the ability to produce insulin. So those two things would go hand in hand to raising blood sugar. And so that's what we're interested in studying. It's really cool for me to do these interviews and these basic or foundational science, however you prefer. I, I don't like the term basic science, but I get the term science because it's that foundational piece that builds on these things that ends up leading to Ozempic and all sorts of wonderful things many, many years down the road. And so I wanted to ask you, because I know Diabetes Canada has funded your work for a really long time. I know this because you were actually the first diabetes researcher that I ever interviewed about their work. And at that point, you were working on, I think it was prebiotics or something similar to that. And so this funding is really important. And sometimes people don't realize because they don't see the immediate result. And so I, I would love to ask you a little bit about, you know, why it's so important to support this foundational work. Yes, thank you. I, I love the term foundational too. Basic comes with connotations. That means it's simple and it's never simple. So I, I agree completely. But the funding that's been provided from what used to be Canadian Diabetes Association, which is now Diabetes Canada, is absolutely critical. And it's critical for clinician scientists, for foundational scientists, for, for everybody, right? And you're right, it got my career started. Right? And I remember that interview, it was on postbiotics, this new term that this part of the lab works on this uh, concept as well. But without this initial support from Diabetes Canada that continued this line of research would have stopped. It, would, it would, never would have taken off and it, would, it was stopped. And so the support that's provided by Diabetes Canada is critical, not just for me and my career, but for whole research areas to take off. We don't know where it's going to lead. That's the risk. That's the high risk reward that you get with foundational research. And it, it's absolutely critical from funding graduate students, undergraduate students, postdoctoral fellows that start their career. This is, you know, a launching point for many people, for many new areas of science. And, you know, I can't thank the donors and the people that volunteer and all of my colleagues enough because we all come together to try and make this happen. And that's the goal is really to produce new information to help people with diabetes. 
Yeah, I think that it is so important that we tell these stories about this foundational research. And I also really want to congratulate you because this year you won the Diabetes Canada Early Career Researcher Award, which is something that Diabetes Canada does every year to celebrate the work of a researcher who in the beginning stages of your career, which sounds very funny because you've been doing this for a little while, has done something that is really wonderful. And I would agree having followed your career for a long time. So what does it mean to win this award? Well, first of all, it's very humbling. I look at the list of previous award winners and I am genuinely humbled. So, you know, I'm thrilled to be on that list. And those that really know me know that I'm, I'm all about the community, not necessarily individual awards. Every once in a while, we single somebody out. And this time it's me. So thank you. But this is, you know, an important, you know, point to reflect that, yeah, we've done some really fun research that has the potential to help. It has the potential to add some information to the field that others can build on. And that's how we look at it, that if we're doing good science, we will help because others will be able to replicate it, build on it and move the field forward. So we're not, I think, focused on we will get this one drug because, you know, we're just a single lab working on, you know, in a field. And our approach is really to try and contribute to the community. And so, you know, I try and teach that to my students. I try and, you know, relay that message to all my colleagues that, you know, we're in this for the long haul and we're in this together, right, to try and help people. And so that's why we do what we do. This is, you know, one feather in the cap. That's fantastic for me. And, and I appreciate it. Well, congratulations again. I was really thrilled to see your name there as the winner this year. And to continue that line of questioning in some ways is you're working on more than the statin project. There's lots going on in your lab. And I always like to give people the opportunity to talk about those other projects because, you know, winning an early career award is great, but you have a lot going on and um, hopefully things that will be celebrated in the future. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that research as well? Sure. Thanks for the opportunity to do that too. Always enjoyed talking about our research. So some of the other projects and, and focuses of the lab involve this concept of postbiotics, which we just mentioned. This idea that the bacteria that live in and on us produce a lot of molecules and compounds that we don't know what they do, right? So there's a lot of excitement around the gut bacteria, its interaction with food and how that can contribute to obesity and potentially type 2 diabetes progression. And I think we look at it quite differently. We think, well, what are the actual functional components? What, what is happening in the bacteria that can actually alter the host metabolism? So rather than describe the names of bacteria or try and come up with you know, a prebiotic or a probiotic, we're just trying to understand what those things are, what they do, what those bacteria produce and, and secrete and, and release that can alter metabolism. Because one really interesting concept, and I'll give you a little tidbit of what, you know, a major project in the lab going on right now is that bacteria outside our body, as are the, the you know, the lumen of your gut, the, you know, the inside of your gut is actually outside your body. And so we're quite interested in the ability to trap metabolites before they enter your body. And these can be metabolites or substances produced by bacteria that could help you lower blood glucose or lower your risk of obesity. Because by keeping those nutrients outside of your body, we don't have to deal with them once they get in your body. They might not generate a glucose response or they might not contribute to obesity. So this is one area that we're delving into and it's fascinating. What bacteria produce and, and how that can fuel the host, how that can fuel the person to produce certain glucose responses or store fat. 
And I think a lot of people will be really surprised because they think of bacteria as this bad thing. Like we don't want bacteria. But in this case, bacteria is really doing something very interesting, it would sound like. Absolutely. And we love to question things, like really question them. And the concept that bacteria are bad, we've really questioned. So bacteria are producing all kinds of molecules, some of which are beneficial, right? They're beneficial for blood glucose control. They're beneficial for insulin sensitivity. So, you know, in our true sense of foundational knowledge, we don't have a, you know, a bias going in. We just look at what they do and we, we try and find out, you know, what's beneficial, what's deleterious, what can we target? Amazing and super, super interesting. So hopefully we'll have a chance in the future to talk to you again about some more of this stuff that you are working on because it sounds like it's really interesting. So tell us a little bit about what else you would like people to know about the work that you do. That's a fair question. I mean, I always like to thank not only the donors to Diabetes Canada and my colleagues, but the students that do the work, the students, the postdoctoral fellows, the people that always do the work. So any chance I'm given, I will always thank them because they make all of this happen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to see you in Montreal at Vascular 2023, where you will be uh, presenting about this award. And I'm just really excited for you and congratulations again. And thank you so much for joining us on the show to talk about your work today. It's been a great pleasure to be here and I hope to join again soon. Wonderful. A huge thank you to Dr. Scherzer for joining us today. If you liked today's show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really does help others find the show. If you'd like more information on this topic or others related to diabetes, visit diabetes.ca or contact Diabetes Canada at info at diabetes.ca. You can also find us on all the social media sites at Diabetes Canada. Thanks for listening.